0: Welcome to the Activation Podcast, brought to you by the Conscious Resistance Network. I'm your host, Derek Bros. With every episode of the Activation, we'll explore solutions in the areas of health, permaculture, decentralized technology, spirituality, and hidden truths. The Activation Podcast is focused on providing cutting-edge solutions to empower humanity. Welcome back to the Activation Podcast, and today I'm excited to share a conversation with you that I think is going to be really eye-opening and enlightening. Hopefully, some new information for those of you who haven't focused on this specific topic. I think it's been one of the most requested topics for my work, specifically people asking for my takes on climate change and you know if, if Agenda 2030 is so bad. What about this you know happening over here, and what about this river drying up and things like that? Just a big conversation, a big topic. And in my view, a lot of it, a lot of the similarities that we see, a lot of the things we see taking place in the COVID operation are very similar to the things we see taking place over the climate change narrative and battle the last decades. And it's all very interconnected. So although this podcast was formed with the focus on solutions, I think that this this conversation particularly is a solution because so many people have started to question technocracy, Agenda 2030, uh, COVID itself, but might not realize that the propaganda began way before COVID. And this sort of push in this direction towards technocracy has been taking place under the guise of the environmental movement for quite some time. But I am no expert in this um, myself. Uh, Somebody else who has spent much more time studying and researching this is my friend James Corbett. So I want to welcome you to the show. James, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you joining me again. I think this is your second time here. And as I was saying, I think this is part of the solution to have this this conversation that we want to get into. And so today, I kind of just want to pick your brain. I've been watching your reports from all the way back in 2009. And then, you know, this year, looking at some of those reports again, and uh, the different different climate gates that have taken place and i recognize as you said in your 2020 kind of uh, revisit of these videos that so much of our audience has probably never even heard that time that term climate gate and so i want to get into some of that i'd like to talk about some of the claims that are being made now and getting you know just get your opinion and your perspective based on all the research and the people that you've interviewed as well but i'd like to i guess set the stage with the fact that for one, I think most of our audiences trust us, right? And we, we, we appreciate that. I'd say I appreciate that. I'm sure you appreciate that. But that's not the goal to just have people to trust us, right? We want them to dig deeper and understand it. I think there's a lot of folks in our audience who understand Agenda 2030. They see the Green New Deal. They see these kind of movements and they're they're afraid of, you know, this is going to lead to I'll own nothing and be happy. They, they kind of understand the problem is what I'm getting at here. But they might not fully understand, well, is climate change real or is it fake? Is it, you know, real, but it's being used in this agenda or is the whole thing fabricated, you know, kind of like the COVID conversation. So rather than us talking about the agenda 2030 and that angle, I'd rather like, let's focus on the actual evidence, right? Because how can we educate our audience so that when they have a conversation with somebody about climate change and somebody that says, no, we need to give up our rights to save mother earth. They can maybe have, if this person is rational enough, have a discussion and say, Hey, well, let's look at the data. Let's look at the facts. Right. So that's kind of where I would like to focus on more today, if that makes yeah. sense.
1: And I think you're right to do so because th- this has to be our baseline understanding. And if we don't have accord on this point, then we will be talking at cross purposes. Uh, the whole climate change movement and the transformation of the global economy and everything else that is predicated on this is as much about saving mother earth and is as much about the environment as the entire construction of the biosecurity apparatus that we've seen locking into place in the past couple of years has been about a virus or the homeland security state was about bearded muslim terror men on 9-11 which is to say none at all that is not what this is about it is about a, an agenda of control at every level, economic, societal, uh, technological, everything you can think of is all coming together around this agenda talking point. That's what this is. So that's how we have to understand it. Once we do. Okay, sure. People want to. It's the interesting thing whenever I cover this subject is that there's two different ways to attack whatever I do. And they're kind of mutually exclusive. So if I talk about the science, people will say, yeah, OK, well, you you say this about the science. But why? Why would scientists lie about this? So I talk about the other angle of the, the, the control agenda and people say, well, you're not talking about the science. <laughs> so So, OK, let's talk about the science. Let's talk about the science, because I agree yeah, we should know something about this subject. If we're going to, oh, I don't know, reorder human civilization around it, we should probably know something about what this is based on, right? So let's throw out some terms. How about equilibrium climate sensitivity? Look that one up. This is the idea of if there is a doubling of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, how much warming will this produce? Which you would think is the most Basic scientific question that we would need to have hammered down if we are going to saw to even start thinking about what we need to do in order to restructure the global economy around this carbon cutting blah 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 uh, agenda. We have to know well. Okay, so what is the actual outcome of this? And so this equilibrium climate sensitivity number, this ECS number, is pretty much what this is all about at at least at the IPCC level. But the IPCC itself, for years had the range of equilibrium climate sensitivity, because, of course, they do not know exactly, okay, so if we double carbon dioxide, exactly this much warming will take place. No, they had a range of 1.5 to 4.5 degrees Celsius for a very long time. Somewhere in there, it'll if we double carbon dioxide, it'll probably go up, global temperatures will go up 1.5, 2.5, 3.5, 4.5, well, something, something in there, we don't really know. Um, they have since narrowed that down to, I think, the two to four degrees Celsius range or two to 4.5 degrees Celsius range. So now we're guaranteed a two degrees Celsius warming if we double carbon dioxide. But actually, there's a a latest paper that I will direct people to. Um, I just have uh, a link here, actually. Important new paper challenges IPCC's claims about climate sensitivity um, by Nick Lewis, which is posted up on climate, et cetera. Uh, People can look that up and talking about, oh, wouldn't you believe it? Uh, There's sincere and serious scientific disagreement about even this vast range for that number.
0: Before you dive in deeper, because I I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I know that we're about to get even deeper. I want to just give them even just a a moment, if we could, of, uh, um, I'm going to assume some folks in this audience, this is what I've heard from some people, that they don't even know what the IPCC is. They don't even know... Okay. about the rio conference right like so we don't need to do a full background but maybe if you could just before we dive deeper because i do want to focus on the science but just for folks who say ma- even those who have been born post 9 11 right all they know is they've been told their whole lives climate change is here they don't know when it started they don't know who's you know so we don't have you've done this already and um how big oil and why big oil and other work um explaining you know this process but um this just to kind of and i'd like to get your your summation of it but i mean, nineteen ninety two Rio. Right. And even before then in the 70s with the World Economic Forum, uh, Club of Rome, Limits to Growth Report, like the, this is the modern environmental movement that has only been around for 60 years now or so that has now grown into this massive force of like, we need the Green New Deal. We need to restructure all of society around this. But the history of it, and maybe we'll touch on some of this today, it has gone from doomsday prediction to doomsday prediction that you've covered, you know, in depth. Um, elsewhere as well. But yeah, is there anything that you could add to that just for those who don't have even maybe just the, the most basic understanding of what it is that, you know, what is, what is is um, man-made climate change in the first place? What are, Obviously people know carbon dioxide is supposedly a bad thing, but what is the real premise that is being argued at the narrative that's being argued from the, the, uh, you know, the predator class? Okay. So the political
1: side of this is the IPCC, which is cited and you will see it in any sort of mainstream report from BBC or Guardian or New York Times or whoever else who writes about this climate emergency every single day of the week. And yet some people still pretend that it's super under the radar no one talks about climate no they talk about it every single day and they will always cite the ipcc so for people who haven't bothered and can't bother to punch that into a search engine the ipcc is an intergovernmental panel on climate change established by the world meteorological organization and the united nations environment program established in 1988 Um, but, uh, it started producing these IPCC reports, which are synthesis of the state of the, um, the, 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 what we know about climate change essentially, but it's not about climate change just itself. Uh, Yeah. Climate changes. Yeah. Okay. And we can study how it's changing, but no, that's obviously, that's not what it, what it's about. The IPCC's mandate and remit is to study the human causation of climate change. So as I talked about in um, my interview, or as uh, Dr. Timothy Ball talked about in my interview with him uh, many years ago, the way that you uh, essentially control what an organization, what a committee, what a a group is going to find when they issue their final report is to simply control their terms of reference. And if you define climate change as human-caused climate change, then you've already baked into the cake the fundamental idea here, which is that it is humans who are driving climate on the planet Earth. Not just, not just influencing it, but driving the main drivers of climate change happening. Now we're in the Anthropocene where human beings are the determining factor in the state of the climate itself. And this is based upon um, construction of lie after lie, obfuscation, on obfuscation. But the IPCC report um, comes out every, I I think it is every five years, they issue a new report. I think we're on IPCC six at this point, the sixth um, report that they've issued. And each one gets more and more alarming. And oh my God, everything is dependent on this. Despite the fact that you have IPCC lead authors, lead authors coming out and speaking against what is being promoted in some of these reports. And why would that be? It's because the assessment report comes in different stages. And one of the stages is the science. And it's it's led by a team of scientists who collect all the latest peer review research and say, okay, we can construct this particular, uh, we can say this with this degree of certainty about what is happening in this particular area of climate change. Um, but that report is then, it is done first, and then the All the leaders of all the world governments that are represented in the intergovernmental panel on climate change, because it is a governmental thing at base. They come together, these diplomats, and they have diplomatic negotiations about this text. And then they come out with their summary for policymakers, which is a a political document created by diplomats working uh, through negotiations. And that summary for policymakers is then used to tinker and change the scientific assessment that was made by the scientists which is an insane process but hey guys it's the science so don't question it that is exactly what is happening and that's why um there are so many ipcc authors who themselves have spoken out against various aspects of this agenda um i could go on in that level or we could I think,
0: I think that over. covers some of the political, the angle very well. I just wanted you to kind of be able to lay that foundation. I appreciate yeah. that. And again, sorry for cutting you off there, but no, 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 I think no, no, no. It, that, that helps it lead important. to. It is
1: important because I, let me throw in one other part yeah. of this the UN um, uh, the, 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 the um, uh, what was it called? The earth conference, the earth day conference that took place in Rio in 1992, yeah. that was organized by Morris strong mm. absolutely was a central linchpin of Uh, What is happening generally? The, The global warming idea had been raised in the 1980s as a serious, okay, now we need to start concentrating on this. But it was 1992 at the Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro where that really started to get teeth. And the IPCC report started to, was the the foundations for the, the regime we're living on uh, today were laid and they were laid by people like Morris Strong. And if people don't know who that character is, go back to my Why Big Oil Conquered the World, where I talk about this big oil executive who was a Rockefeller made man um, who ended up uh, steering the UN Environment Program essentially, and being a, an absolute central linchpin to this entire agenda? It's a fascinating history.
0: Absolutely, and I think that that helps explain. So, because there's there's multiple facets, right? It's like, okay, is the science wrong? Okay, well, you maybe you know we got we're going to get into that, right? But then also, somebody their mind might go to like you were saying a moment ago. Well, how could they possibly cover this up? Well, when you know the history of how the foundation has been laid, and also as you talk about in your um. Uh, you're reporting on ClimateGate uh, that these clicks form within the scientific community because it's only a small amount of people that are even working on this particular area and they're helping produce these reports and these models. And then we'll get into ClimateGate in a little bit. The emails directly show this this. Uh, just you know, work this collusion, this working together to form a message and to form a narrative, right? So that kind of help, should help you understand because we're not going to focus the rest of the conversation on that. That there are political forces at work, just like you've seen with things related to COVID nineteen and the science around that. I mean, you see the same kind of patterns of behavior. You are starting to outline some more terms and things that I think will be helpful for the conversation. So please pick up there.
1: Yeah, well, here's one of the most basic. So equilibrium climate sensitivity, ECS, is the fancy term for what happens if we double the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. But here's the even more fundamental part of that. Because what they're saying is, oh, if we double uh, carbon dioxide, temperatures will go up two degrees to 4.5 degrees Celsius or something like that. But what, what do they mean by that? What is a global average temperature? Which sounds like a stupidly simple question. A global average temperature, well, it's just the average of the temperature across the globe. No, 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 no. it's so much more complicated than that, that most people can't even conceive of how ridiculously constructed and artificial a number like that is. So I did an entire 20-minute video going deep dive into this question of what is the global average temperature, because... It is self-evidently, I mean, I guess you could just take every thermometer in the world and just average them if you could somehow collect every reading from every thermometer in the world. And that would give you some kind of number. But how useful is that number? For one, you have vast swaths of the globe for which there is no temperature reading. There is no thermometer in the middle of the Sahara. There is no te- thermometer, you know, out in the ocean, whatever. There are and you can you can see where there are actual temperature monitoring stations that get fed into the various global average temperature calculations. And you can see the map of it. And you can see there's vast sections of the planet where there is no reading. So what do you do? Well, you have to average and sort of blur numbers out across regions and things. But even then, I mean, even more philosophically speaking, when you're talking about temperature, temperature varies throughout, uh, altitude. So what, what, what strata of the atmosphere are you talking about? Presumably we're only concerned about the, uh, kilometer at most, uh, at the very bottom of the atmosphere essentially. But even, even then just people living at different altitudes and things, complicates that situation, doesn't it? Um, So how do you do this? And there's different ways to construct this. In fact, there are four main temperature data sets that are constructed because again, this isn't just a simple averaging calculation. You have to choose what temperatures to weigh more heavily and how to skew things out where you don't actually have numbers. How do you fill in that blank data? And uh, all of these sorts of mathematical questions that go into the construction of four main temperature data sets. And again, as Timothy Ball pointed out in that interview that I played in my recent flashback to 2009 about climate gate, um, I, uh, as he points out the four different temperature data sets can vary as much as 0.4 degrees Celsius between them. And they're claiming that in the past 150 years of man-made global warming that's been going on, the entire global average temperature has increased by 0.6 degrees. So, so wait, hold on. So we can't even calculate this magical number to within four tenths of a degree of a chord. We, we can measure the six-tenths of a degree that has happened in the past 150 years. Oh, and by the way, back 150 years ago, it's not like we had thermometers and re- valuable, you know, accurate records. It just gets more and more stupid and stupid the more you actually drill down into these numbers, what they are saying, how they are being constructed. If you knew how the sausage was made, you would be less inclined to believe it. But then people will say, oh, but... What about all of the effects of this that we can so self-evidently see happening all the time? And uh, I would say that, yes, you absolutely should look at what is claimed to be the effects of this global warming that we all know is absolutely happening, guys, because if you look at the big picture, we are coming out of the Little Ice Age. So yeah, temperatures, global temperatures have been going up for hundreds of years now. That is true. Um, broadly speaking, the, the overall average temperature trend has gone up, but has it spiked in in the last 150 years in a weird way? Well, depends on who you ask, but let's look at the effects. This is pseudoscience of the worst kind because it is completely unfalsifiable. Because I ask anyone out there who still believes that this is fundamentally about the science, guys, what set of conditions under what amount of time would be enough to convince you that the Carbon dioxide is the thermometer for the the global thermostat for the, the entire planet. What set of conditions will prove that wrong? Because anything that happens can and will be said to be part of this global warming phenomenon. More rain. Less rain, more snow, less snow, more droughts, less droughts, more ter- tornadoes and hurricanes, less tornadoes and hurricanes. Uh, literally a- anything that you can think of has been attributed to climate change. And if you don't believe me, I did a short three, four minute video once on climate change is woo woo pseudoscience, in which I went through all of the contradictory claims that are made in the name of this unfalsifiable science, and then look at the predictions that are made on the base of this. totally unfalsifiable, non-scientific unhypothesis, you get again, all sorts of demonstrably, demonstrably untrue predictions. Um, there, I, I've been through this as well. The UN warns there's only three years left to stop cl- climate change. Well, that was five years ago, so I guess we're too late. Um, yeah, June 20, <laughs> 2017, three years left to stop dangerous climate change. August twenty first 2016, Arctic summers, ice-free by 2017. Huh, whoa, a bit late on that one. July fourteenth <laughs> two 2014, to be ice-free in two years and create a methane catastrophe. Wait, what? That was even before that, that later prediction. September 7, 2012, experts predict final collapse of sea ice within four years. August 1st, 1, 2008, 100 months to save the world, a Green, green New Deal needed. Um, and here's one of the latest that actually came out from uh, Dr. Roy Spencer. Um, he took the 50-year U.S. summer temperature trend and compared it to all 36 CMIP climate models that are used by scientists these days. Every single one of those models was warmer than the actual observed summer temperature trend. Every single one of them was wrong and every single one of them skewed higher than what actually happened. And yet we are using those models to predict and to literally structure human society, the economy, civilization itself. This is insanity and it has nothing to do with science.
0: Yeah, I just want to interject, James, on the report you were just mentioning. I watched that one earlier today, the unfalsifiable woo pseudoscience. Um, so th- this is an interesting point, I think, because you're right. Like, we've seen this for years. Uh, whatever the weather is, it it's get blamed on ch- climate change. And we're seeing um, – we can see with our eyes, and I think this is where some people's skepticism, much like with COVID. They're like, okay, well, I hear what you're saying. I see the corruption. But – I've never had a hurricane in my area before. Now we've had two in the last five years or, you know, now we're getting floods. And, you know, there, there are real world weather events happening now. I Personally, I haven't been keeping track with them long enough or studied it well enough to say, have they increased? Things like that. And I want to get into some alternative potential, you know, causes of those things in a moment. But I do think the younger generations are absolutely being taught that anything that happens in the skies related to weather, climate, is it it can be traced back to something you've done, to climate change, to man-made climate change specifically. And do you think this is just you know, them moving the goalposts and arguing semantics or, you know, because before people I've, I've seen these arguments and I personally think they're not the strongest. I think it's just too, too easy. of like, Oh, ho, ha, ha, they used to say global warming, or I'll see some conservatives point out on social media whenever there's like a place that experiences snow. And it's like a sarcastic remark about, yeah, global warming, huh? I don't think those are like super strong arguments. I get the, the you know, the, the commentary, but the other side would argue, you know, the other side would argue, yes, this is because the climate is changing and it's going to happen in all kinds of unpredictable ways. And is that just them, like I said, moving the goalposts? Or is there any science to that at all? No, it's good to bring and flesh this out because
1: you're right. This can be done in an intellectually lazy way to say that, oh, you know, if this happens, then therefore the whole argument is bunk. And so we don't have to look at it ever again. No, there obviously, this is an interconnected set of things that... Uh, Again, speaks to the act- actual state of our understanding of climate and the number of factors that go into it. And we concentrate laser-like focus on carbon dioxide, which is one of a hundred plus variables that are interacting in the climate. But but oh, if carbon dioxide goes up, well, carbon dioxide was at uh, at levels that are double what they are now for millions, if uh, millions and millions of years. And in those periods, you had both temperatures that were double what they are today and ice ages taking place in them. Carbon dioxide is not the magical thermostat that determines what the climate is. That is, uh, that is is woo-woo pseudoscience. But you're exactly right. So I did have an, uh, a video about that um, uh, several years ago now called Weather Is Not Climate, unless it's cold outside, uh, unless it's hot outside, I should say. So every time there is a heat wave, summer, essentially every summer, And I mean, every summer you're going to see some story about, oh, my God, record breaking temperatures. This is what global warming looks like. And every winter you're going to see the stories of, of course, there are storms in winter. You know, global warming doesn't mean there won't be any more winter unless. Oh, unless you go back to uh, 1999, 2000, there was the famous um, independent article, I think, uh, about the. Britain will never see uh, snow again, (laughs) something along those lines. So uh, again, they make up whatever predictions they want at whatever time it's convenient. But here is what I want people to really observe and really notice is that when there is a hurricane or when there is a, a big tornado or some sort of big weather event, you will inevitably notice that they uh, the the newspaper coverage they'll they'll run with the headline about you know global warming is uh, this is a climate emergency this is what's happening and it will inevitably be an op-ed or some like science columnist who's writing about and here's another example of just how off the rail the climate is in this day and age and they will always quote a scientist who says well we can't attribute this particular storm to climate change. But we know that overall, the models tell us that blah, blah, blah. And the rest is hot air. In this case, metaphorically. Um, because they, yeah, they will never, ever, ever come out and say this storm was because of climate change. Because of course, you can't do that. Because again, this is such a nebulous concept. But yes, you're right. Most people will have their personal experience of, hey, I saw that weather event that was strange. I hadn't seen that before. Therefore, I guess this is what's really happening. There are a couple of ways that we could interrogate that point. One is to say that, yes, most people do not. And why would they have an encyclopedic knowledge of sort of the vast, not just what's happening in their particular area and not just what's happening in their region, not just what's happening in their country, not just what's happening on their continent, but what is happening around the world? Of course, no average human being is keeping track of that. But there are people who are, and the people who are are inevitably saying, in fact, there is no extreme weather trend that we need to be worried about. Roger Pilkey Jr., um, talking in 2017, there is no evidence that hurricanes, floods, droughts, tor- or tornadoes are increasing. You have a 2017 study on floods that found approximately the ex- number expected due to chance alone. You found uh, 2018 so- saw a record low tornado death toll and no vo- violent tornadoes for the first time since record keeping began in 2015. In 2019, the NOAA uh, concluded that it is premature to conclude that global warming has already had a detectable impact on on hurricane activity, which is probably why uh, there was recently a a record stretch of no major hurricane landfall in the United States, um, which was a a record in the time that records have been kept until the last couple of years anyway. uh, you could go through. Wildfires are not increasing. Droughts are not worse than they were. In fact, mega droughts occurred with more frequency thousands of years ago than they do today. More, less people are dying re- due to climate uh, events, weather events than they, they did uh, a century ago. Uh, by whatever metric you're measuring it, In fact, no, we are not living through some unprecedented, amazing, major climate catastrophe that's never been seen before in humankind. The other way to interrogate this is to say that, well, okay, if something strange happens in the weather, and let's say it is man-made, what if it is not this nebulous sort of, oh, carbon dioxide went into the atmosphere and is causing this chain reaction that we can't quite quantify, qualify, we can't predict, we don't know how it's going to work, but it just does. The weather gods got angry at it. Or could it be things that we know absolutely are taking place, like stratospheric aerosol injection, which of course is chemtrail conspiracy theory. Every single time that it is brought to the public's attention, they always... Uh, bring it out as if this is some brand new idea. Hey guys, scientists have this crazy wacky new idea for cloud seeding, for stratospheric aerosol injection, for all of these technologies that have existed for at this point be- the better part of a century, but every time they're reported on as it's as if it's brand new and has never been thought about before. So, yeah, there uh, there may be man-made uh, weather events at any rate. I don't think climate-wide events, but there could be man-made weather events, but maybe not from people, you know, using plastic straws. It may be at a sort of more fundamental level of the, the real scientific experiments that are going on in secret through programs like the Heart program and others that we don't get any sort of lens into because they are c- covered by national security. They're being done by the Pentagon. And we are being asked to concentrate on what you, your personal carbon footprint is. Because again, this is not about science. This is about the agenda.
0: Hold that thought. Hey guys, this is Derek Bros with the Activation Podcast, and I want to tell you about a new project that I recently launched. It's called the Holistic Self-Assessment Online Course, and it's based on my 2018 book, The Holistic Self-Assessment. Now, some of you guys know that I released this book based off my experiences in prison. This is essentially the culmination of the process I took myself through while I was locked up behind bars, when I began meditating, when I began journaling, and really starting to heal my trauma and begin to align my thoughts, my words, my actions, and really live in line with my true purpose. So this book is meant to be a self-empowerment, self-help guide that helps you align your thoughts, words, and actions, your relationships, your habits, and make sure you are living in line with your goals and your principles. So I developed this nine-week course with the University of Reason, aka Autonomy. We put this course together for people like yourself to take it and walk through it chapter by chapter, I read the book with you, I give you tips and exercises and there's actually two options if you want to just do the DIY version you can choose to work through the course yourself if you'd like to pay a little bit of extra money you can go ahead and get one-on-one sessions with myself where I will counsel you and work through the book with you and answer any questions you have. So I really want to encourage you guys to check this out, the link will be in the description below where you are listening or watching and I'll put the link to the Holistic Self-Assessment book as well which you can download for free and I want you to stay tuned because we're getting ready to release the Holistic Self Assessment audiobook. So stay tuned, guys. Now let's get back to the podcast. So, I want to get more into that in just a moment so to consider, ask you a couple questions in a moment about other potential causes that people have put forward. But let's get a little deeper into this. We've mentioned it a couple not times. We haven't really explained it. Could you give a, a summary of what the ClimateGate situation, the emails were about? Because, again, happening in 2009, I remember this was when I was first waking up. It was one of the first things I found from your website. And uh, InfoWars and a few other people at the time, uh, and yeah, and I saw it. you get a couple of reports, and then it's just been dismissed, and now it's just a Wikipedia page about it being a conspiracy, right? So, for those who haven't you know, even heard about this or haven't gone to the dot and searched climate gate, give them a summary of what it was and and uh, you know what the claims being made were, the accusations.
1: Right. Well, I hope people will go to corporateboard.com and search Climategate, because I have done a, quite a bit of work of this on this over the years, right from the very beginning, when it was happening live there in October of 2009. Um, so people who don't know, there was a uh, mysterious release of emails from the University of East Anglia and researchers associated with the climatic research unit there um, that uh, was leaked online somehow, somewhere by someone. And of course, the uh, the infamous Russian hacker idea has been floated as this was the dastardly work of the Russians. Um, this was way back before it was even cool to dunk on Russian hackers um, that this was being floated. But anyway, this release of in- emails did come out and it did cause a stir. And there was starting to become quite a bit of talk about it and movement along it because of, Seemingly sort of gotcha, sort of quotes that were contained in some of these emails. For example, one researcher writing to another that he needed to use uh, Michael Mann's trick or technique trick for hiding the decline in the temperature records, which is to say that um, in this field of dendroclimatology, which is a study of tree rings to understand thermometer readings, so essentially using monitors to study climate. and. Uh, the scientists were quite perplexed because up until about the 1960s, these tree rings totally told you what the temperature in the region was very reliably. They could study them and understand the, the climate and piece together a global climate reading from, you know, thousands of years ago just based on tree rings. Honest guys. Sounds like phrenology to me, but wh- whatever. Or anyway, it's an entire field of study, dendroclimatology. Uh, but in the 1960s, for some reason, tree rings decoupled from temperatures and suddenly they weren't reliable and they were showing a downward temperature trend. And we know that can't possibly be the case. So I, I don't know. So when you put all of these temperature data sets that uh, that the climatologists use to construct historical temperature records, again, this is not an exact science, guys. There is a lot of guesswork, models and number fudges that go into the construction of historical temperature records. But when, uh, when you get that famous hockey stick of the, uh, the temperature suddenly spiking up in the recent era because of people driving cars, um, that, that, that trick was enabled by the fact that the way they put those spaghetti graph of temperature data sets together actually hides the fact that the tree ring data set goes sharply down. At that point, so this was one of the big gotchas that got a lot of not- notoriety in that initial ClimateGate release in 2009. One of the researchers talking about the trick of hiding the decline—that was what that was about. But don't worry, guys. That you know, that's not that's not important. And is he didn't mean trick like I'm deceiving you. He meant trick like a technique that you can use to. Hide the decline (laughs) again, but that's only because the decline means that trees have suddenly decoupled from the climate for some reason. We don't know. Whatever. Don't think about it. All the other data shows this going this way. So the hockey stick stands, right? Except for the researchers who came along afterwards and found that you could feed literal garbage data, literally random numbers into... Uh, the, the the tool that Michael Mann was using to generate that tar- chart and it would produce a hockey stick. So hmm, there might be something wrong with this. Anyway, um, that's one side of what, what came out of the, uh, the the Climategate emails in there in late 2009 that people were getting concerned about, I think, for obvious reasons. And it was getting some traction, at least in the conservative press, in the dinosaur media, y- you know, major newspapers and things were writing about it at the time. Um, It very quickly got covered up by a number of cover-up commissions. And I forget how many inquiries there were. I've written about them on the website so people can search for it. I think there were four or five different Totally independent, neutral committees that were run by some of the scientists involved that, that had dealings with uh, various of the institutions that were implicated in them that uh, that refused to look at certain pieces of the evidence, et cetera, et cetera. Every single one of them a cover up in its own e- unique individual snowflake way. Um, and, and I've written more about that. But some of the most startling points about this release in fact, never really got any attention whatsoever. For example, there was something called the Harry Read Me file, which was the electronic notes that one programmer was using um, to try to make sense of the this CRU, the Climate Research Unit's databases. And if you read through this programmer's notes, it's it's it would be funny, I guess, if it wasn't so incredibly important what he's talking about. For example, um, he said that the, uh, the in this Harry ReadMe file that the database was artificially adjusted to look closer to the real temperatures. Um, he talked about the hundreds, if not thousands of dummy stations, dummy temperature stations, temperature records that were somehow ending up in the database or how he had to um, essentially, he, he could not, uh, uh, he, he, uh, he made up key data on weather stations because it was impossible to tell what data was coming from what sources. This is one of the programmers that they hired to help sort through their own database that came out that no one talks about in any of the uh, coverage of ClimateGate. So there was a lot more meat on that bone than you will ever read about in any Wikipedia summary. But why it was particularly important in October of 2009 was because that was right on the cusp of the Copenhagen... COP meeting, the Co- uh, Conference of the Parties, which is this big UN annual brouhaha where they all come together, all these UN delegates, and make their big grand proclamation about um, sacrifices to the weather gods to appease them. And uh, in that particular one, I think I, was it was a COP16, I can't remember which uh, number it was, but that one in, climate, uh, in Copenhagen was set, the stage was being set for it to be the the linchpin for the coming global government. That's not me talking. That was newly appointed uh, director of the EU, Herman Van Rompuy, who um, came in saying, this is the era of global government. 2009 marks the beginning of of global government. And we will see to it at Copenhagen that that gets put in, essentially is what he said. And I have that quote in my ClimateGate uh, episode. Um, And uh, remarkably, amazingly, Copenhagen got derailed to the point where it didn't become what I think they wanted it to become. Something like the Paris Accords that were reached in 2015. They wanted it in place in 2009, but it wasn't so much Climate Gate that derailed it, so much as uh, essentially diplomatic wrangling. Some of the lesser developed countries wanted more, wanted more billions, essentially, to be bribed off to go along with this scheme, and they didn't get it. So. They, they walked away from the table at that point. But as I say, they came back in 2015 and essentially with the Paris Accords, they started to hammer in this global agreement that's going to be, it still isn't there yet, but it is going to be the teeth to this agenda where they're going to start trying to enforce various levels on various countries, various carbon dioxide levels. And how do you even... How do you even calculate that? How do you know who's cheating on their levels and stuff? Well, we're going to need a total global surveillance grid to track every country's emissions at all times, a, gl- a satellite surveillance grid, exactly like what, for example, Bill Gates has talked about and and uh, and tried to sponsor into existence. And these are the types of technologies that are going to enable the surveillance grid that is going to enable the enforcement of this agenda, which is, oh, going to be tied to carbon credits, to all of this. It all... St- stems from the fundamental lies that were exposed in something like ClimateGate. Again, I will exhort people to go and look at my previous work on this, where I've talked about the specific emails and what they revealed about the way that they were openly collaborating to exclude certain voices from the peer-reviewed journals and, and peer-reviewed research. We can't have that research getting into the IPCC report. We'll find a way to make it not happen. And and you can actually chart it through the ClimateGate emails how they did that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I, I definitely will second checking out your work on that, James, as well as uh, the Climate Gate, the rebunked interview. I just watched that one today. It was really good. And then there, you know, I think there was like Climate Gate 2.0. You point out a couple of different incidents. So there's definitely a whole lot there for people to check out. This interview, of course, is just, and you know, it's uh, the purpose it is for you to have an introduction. So if you're somebody who has grown up hearing that climate change is, you know, the world's going to end by the time you get to your 30s, then uh, don't, you know, just assume that in this one interview, you're going to break through all that propaganda. I highly do encourage you to go check out James's work on that. for
1: For the purpose of those people in the audience that we're talking to right now, those particular people, I would say, imagine if you do understand that the COVID craziness of the past couple of years is not about a virus. It is about control. If you understand that, Now imagine trying to explain that to one of your normie friends in a, you know, in a 10-minute soundbite kind of thing, trying to summarize all of this and counter all of their objections. That is the position that people who have some realism on this issue have, trying to counter not just a couple of years of nonstop wall-to-wall media propaganda and indoctrination, but decades now at this point. I don't know about you, Derek, but me growing up in Canada in the public school system, I certainly got my share of this indoctrination that now entire generations have grown up knowing nothing other than we are in a climate emergency that is caused by humans. It is incredibly hard to break through that propaganda in a few minutes here and there.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize it till I got older. Captain Planet, how, how could they put that in front of me as a kid, right? Like, no, yeah. and you know, it's interesting. We're having this conversation. I was looking it up as you were mentioning it. Uh, the next COP, a UN conference is coming up. We're recording this on Halloween. This is coming up this coming Sunday, November 6th. So this conversation is still ongoing, right? They're going to meet this weekend and just yeah. promote the whole propaganda, everything that we're here trying to dissect. And it's all based on, uh, computer models, people who are skeptical of COVID, you saw the, I think it was Imperial College of London, computer models, millions of people dead, all that. You you can understand how computer models and data can be used to, to fit an agenda. And that's, I think, what this fundamentally comes down to. Um, now, I want to, one other kind of point about this that I think that you, I've heard you say some things about this before. I think you'll agree with it. I've really struggled to try to get people who are questioning climate change and having this conversation to also, you know, what the phrase, not throw the baby out with the bathwater and to then assume that, for one, the word sustainable is now like just evil word that you need to run away from as soon as you see it. Uh, taking care of the environment is a bad thing. Trying to reduce, you know, your own personal waste. Again, I'm not saying anybody should be shamed um, or any of these kinds of things, but I, th- I think that that's what happens sometimes is people, there's that extreme reaction of, oh, I see the agenda now, and now anything that mentions that word sustainable or talks about... Um, you know, even things like permaculture will some people will sometimes lump them in. Whereas to me, I see this as this is the answer to have a decentralized food production, local food production, you know, because clearly the systems, the one thing they have right, is that the systems aren't working. It's just that they created them or they broke them in the first place so they can then present themselves as the you know the heroes for the great reset and all this stuff. But yeah, can you talk about that a little bit? How some folks kind of get sucked into this like almost anti-taking care of the planet or like looking out for you know the animals and the environment that sort of thing because of their aversion to things like Agenda 2030.
1: Yep. This is another aspect of what I've I've attempted to do over the years and it's again incredibly hard to break through the propaganda and conditioning. But I want the people the the tree huggiest of the tree huggers out in the audience to know I am on your side. I agree with you. Humans are doing terrible things to the environment, things that truly could threaten the earth going forward. As we start tinkering with the genome of various species and all sorts of insane stuff, the gene drives to create the mosquito vaccines and all of this insanity that is going on, incredible pollution that is damaging, demonstrably damaging the environment in various locales, generally the biggest perpetrator of which are massive mega corporations and more importantly, perhaps the military, just dumping hundreds of thousands of liters of toxic nerve chemicals into rivers and things like this. Um, yeah, there is horrible, horrible damage being done, but you are being programmed, psychologically operationed into, con- to, into believing that it is all about carbon dioxide. Why? Why that focus? That is the one thing you are allowed to question uh, to the nth degree. You can get as far and deep into that as you want. But don't start questioning GM crops or things along those lines. No, 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 no. That's, that's not the science, guys. The science tells you that carbon dioxide is the global thermostat. And the science tells you that GM crops are good as gold, golden rice, perhaps, right? And I I know that if there are true, real, dyed-in-the-wool, greeny environmentalists in the crowd listening to this conversation, even after all the stuff I've just said, uh, you will know that there are those sort of areas that you get a lot of pushback on that huh? when you try to push in those areas. Again, why is that? Why are you allowed? Not only allowed, but openly promoted and given all this free publicity in the mainstream media to talk about carbon dioxide as much as you like. But don't look over here. Don't talk about that environmental problem. Again, this is something I've tried to raise in a number of podcasts, um, uh, over the years, but it's one that's hard again, to break through people's conditioning because they have been taught that, uh, climate denier equals oil shill. Um, This coming from the guy who did the How Big Oil Conquered the World and Why Big Oil to Conquered the World documentary. Yeah, I'm in a big oil show, man. Go go big oil. No, no, no. As I spell out in black and white and show and connect the dots in Why Big Oil Conquered the World, big oil are behind this particular manifestation of this particular lie, the the CO2 as the, the global thermostat lie, because they are already preparing for the next stage, which has nothing to do with the old paradigm of controlling petroleum and oil resources. We're still in that paradigm to some extent, but we are being shifted over into the next paradigm, which is going to be about green energy, which, oh, by the way, is also a complete and total scam from top to bottom. I just recently wrote an editorial about this that I'll direct people to. Green energy is a scam. It is uh, designed to control you. And Uh, If you are concerned about the environment, you should be concerned about the incredible environmental damage that is produced by trying to even produce the lithium ion batteries that are being used um, at at this point for electric vehicles and others and smartphones and everything else that we have these days. That's so green because we can just plug it in and somehow energy magically appears without any of this carbon dioxide being released in the environment. Well, how about the, the incredible destruction that takes place with lithium mining and other things along those lines. Uh, And now, now that everything is being transitioned over and all cars are going to have to be electric vehicles and all of that, it's actually a physical impossibility that we will be able to produce enough of these um, lithium-ion batteries and other such things that will be needed for the infrastructure for this green uh, green planet of the future, green energy grid. But on top of that, the environmental destruction that happens just trying to reach that completely unattainable goal is itself orders of magnitude uh, more destructive than what we have seen so far. But Again, you don't even talk about that. No, no, no. Green energy just magically appears out of nowhere through materials that just sort of all just rain from heaven right into a solar panel. And that's just constructed out of whole cloth. No, no, no. There's an entire infrastructure that you don't see behind the scenes. So again, there are certain points of this that environmentalists in the crowd will know. You can question this. You cannot question that. Why is that? That's when you start to get into the agenda side of this.
0: Yeah, and I think what you said there was really important, James, because, you know, even let's imagine even if somebody does wholeheartedly believe that man is the greater, you know, driver of uh, climate change and on the planet and all this different destruction, um, I feel like they could still agree with the arguments you were just making there that like, hey, there's, yeah, maybe I believe that. But at the same time, I'm not allowed to question these areas. I'm not allowed to look into these things. And whenever the youth of Uh, the world, uh, not just the U S but all over the entire world that are being told it's their job to save, you know, look up to Greta. This is, you're going to save the the entire planet because the the old folks are just too stupid to get it. And you guys are finally going to be the generation. There's no, just no realistic conversation about the, you know, those other uh, elements that you mentioned, like the cost of changing over the entire world's infrastructure or things like the destruction of indigenous lands in Bolivia. So they can get these lithium, Um, batteries for the smartphones and for the Elon Musk's, you know, who said, Hey, we'll coup anybody we want when we want to get the green, the stuff we need for our green, our green energy and our green uh, new deal, all that kind of thing. So I feel like even if people aren't quite ready to go all the way, which I do encourage you to continue this research and go to James's website and check out some of the interviews he's done. But even if you're still kind of like holding on to that idea at the present moment, you should still be able to recognize these other flaws in this worldwide transformation that is also being done by force. You know, this yeah. isn't going to be Sorry. a ch- thing without choice. I realized I
1: zigged when you asked me to zag. So I, I'll go back to your original question about sustainable becoming this toxic word that people in you know conspiracy realist circles can't use anymore. You're exactly right about that. I had a, uh, a video that I put out a few years ago called I am a sustainable free trade globalist where I demonstrated that these words have been taken over. And co-opted, and are being used and pushed for an agenda because they are powerful concepts that, in the right framework, for the right, in the right way, when we understand them in sort of the way that they want us to understand them, but that uh, when we when we look at them for what they are, these are not toxic words, and there are things behind them that have meaning that ca- that we should we should at least be aware of and considering. But no, 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 no. They take over those words. They use them as these slogans. We associate what they are saying, these words themselves, with those slogans, with the entities that are promoting them. If you say sustainable development, you're talking about the UN, you know, Agenda 2030. Uh, There's no other conceivable way that we can use that word sustainable, right? No, you're right. That is, unfortunately, part of the the, the sort of the insidious nature of the psyop, where they take over and essentially co-opt words and terms that are valuable and have real meaning, but they they put these fake meanings on them and sell us that so that we reject the whole thing. And that is to our detriment. I agree that, yes, sustainable, decentralized, organic systems are, in the end, not only more in accord with nature itself and are more prone to to not destroy the planet and all of that, but also will thrive and will will survive much longer than these artificial constructs of top-down hierarchical control that they call the sustainable development plan for the future and all of that. Um, so it is the better way to go, but unfortunately people will reject it simply because of the terminology associated with it, which means that we have to do double backflips to try to create completely new terms to describe things that we could already describe straightforwardly but no you know now you can't even say the word sustainable right
0: yeah and i see that happening with different things because for example i've noticed in the last couple months the world economic forum is starting to talk about decentralization quite a bit and how we need decentralization now when they say Mm. that i I, I don't i don't believe it i don't believe that that's what they really mean like you're saying this is the way that they play the game once you learn to kind of read through their word games, you you understand it. But to the average person, it's like, oh, wow, well, these people say they want diversity, inclusivity, and sustainable, blah, blah, all that. So we see the word games. I hope people hearing this will, will be a little bit more uh, discerning than that because, again, somebody... I know plenty of people doing good work. I even know people who... Um, I think they're misguided, but people who I've collaborated with and worked with who have done amazing, uh, amazing, uh, just efforts in the permaculture world and building intentional communities—more, more work than probably most of us will do in our lives in that whole area. Yet they believe in the UN, and they—and I'm working on it. I'm like, you know, like I, I tried a conversation about, man, the Rockefellers, this and that. I know you care about indigenous people. This is, you know, trying to help the, fill in some of the gaps. But they grew up. This is somebody who's a little bit older than me. Grew up in that generation where the UN was the beginning of you know the environmental movement. We're going to take back Mother Earth and this kind of thing. And they still have some of this faith in those institutions. So you know, I just hope people who are in those positions will continue to think critically about um, you know the narratives that they're trying to feed to us. Um, James, I want to talk a little bit for a moment as we start to wrap up here in a couple minutes about some of the other. So if it's not if I'm not doing it and it's not my car and the driving or the cow farts, like then why are we having these, you know, whatever people want to point to. And again, let's just put aside for a second, whether or not those things are more frequent, but why are people being told that, uh, you know, rising sea levels, there's different, different uh, answers people have put forth, you know, and I want to just get your thoughts on if you dove into these different areas, but I've heard things from, uh, you know, it's the sun, it's solar flares. That's it's the sun's activity. that's largely driving, changes on the planet it's magnetic poles shifting things of you know arguments in that general area and then of course the stratosphere stratospheric aerosol injection geoengineering um weather modification programs you've done work on this i've done some articles investigations over the years people talk about hurricanes i did a pretty in-depth investigation years ago showing that the u.s government and in general humans have been experimenting with hurricanes since the late 1800s, at least. And the military, you know, they were studying it around the time of Katrina and some others. So I don't write any of those things off. But um, what do you think about these other alternative, I guess, hypothesis about what is behind various climate phenomena?
1: I understand the question. And uh, I think the, the best answer to that will come in something like, for example, I just recently wrote an editorial on droughts, cloud seeding, and the coming water wars, where I was talking about that fact that Every single time they talk about the the on-the-record, known, completely open, uh, and and well-understood technologies for weather manipulation that have been around for the better part of a century, at least at this point, Um, they always report on it in the mainstream dinosaur media as some sort of brand-new thing. Scientists are thinking about this brand-new idea for seeding clouds and all this kind of—I mean, it's just—it's so ridiculous and childish when you look at it that you have to wonder— who, who is the target for this low-level propaganda? What kind of ignorant rubes do they think they're talking to? But anyway, yeah, there is weather manipulation technology. And as I say, there are weather events that can and presumably are being created and steered and weaponized. Um, they have talked about trying to create droughts in Iran and other such things because because, as was the thesis of that droughts, cloud seeding, and the coming water wars, um, they they talk about well, the the uprising in Syria was at least partly due to because of, because of water shortages and things like this. So again, even if even if the, this technology is all bunk and they're not able to manipulate weather to that degree of control, at any rate, they're going to try for it. But don't worry, there's a UN convention against weaponizing uh, weather warfare. So <laughs> t- don't worry, guys, it'll, to- it'll totally be taken care of. But the the, the There's another aspect of this that I want to talk about because I can't simply dismiss the fact that no, extreme weather events, when we look at it globally and climactically are not increasing. This is itself a lie that is being promoted nonstop by the mainstream media. And it's one of those lies that I've noticed this many times online looking at, for example, when people are in a comment thread and someone makes a statement at the top of the thread that is factually wrong that just is not true but then everyone in that thread replies to it as if that is true and they argue about what that thing could mean and no oh, that's not so bad because of this and that's and then when you get down to the bottom of the thread you've forgotten that what you're arguing about was a totally fake false flat out wrong statement but everyone assumed it to be true. In this case, again, I think people can be misled down the path. Okay, we all know that the global climate has just changed so incredibly much that it's inconceivable that how this has change has happened. It must be man made. So, is it carbon dioxide or is it uh, cloud seeding or harp or whatever? What if it's neither? What if that fundamental assumption is wrong? And I think it is wrong. Um, at any rate, again, the numbers speak for themselves. I. When I post this up on my site, I'll have all the links to all the different sources that I'm talking about here. And uh, I I just want people to question the fundamental assumption that somehow we're in some completely new climate uh, uh, environment that has never been seen before on Earth.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you made that point, James, because it it is, you know, if we're going to try to strike at the root, then, you know, maybe we don't even want to get and not to say. Studying, and there's plenty of people out there studying weather events and trying to pin down is this real, is this man made, or whatever. Uh, but if the data doesn't even line up with the fact that we are, alleged, you know, this claim of having more extreme weather events, then there's no reason to even get sucked into that that whole discussion there. Um, so I know you said you're going to post this on your, your site, so you'll put more links. I'll try to add everything that you, was referenced here as well. But if somebody wanted to start, um, I know we talked about ClimateGate and, and just going and generally searching that. But based on what we've covered here, and somebody wants to like, okay, I'm with you, let me go to the next level. Which of your work or some interviews you've done or any books that you've read in this particular area would you recommend?
1: Okay, I'll give people one easy handy dandy resource that they can use on this. Because I, uh, in a recent questions for Corbett, I created a 60 second response to someone who had these types of questions about climate change. And yes, that is a bit tongue-in-cheek, because, of course, you cannot possibly do this in 60 seconds. But in that, questions for Corbett number 85, which is at corbettreport.com slash climate questions, all one word. Type that into your browser. You will get this questions for Corbett. And in 60 seconds, I go through as many links as I can, to as many videos that I have done on this subject in the past. What is the average global temperature? Temperature adjustments and climate change. The global warming pause explained. Lies, damned lies, and global warming statistics. Jim Steele on how b- bad global warming science hurts the environmental movement. Judith Curry explains climate modeling to the layman. The UN warning, just three years left to save the earth. Climate change is unfall, survival, su- su- woo viable pseudoscience. There's literally a couple dozen links there to various reports that I've done on this because I have looked at this in the past I'm not talking out of my rear end I have done a lot of research on this in the past I have a lot to say about it and there's it's one of those things that you can go to the easy skeptic debunker sites and or Wikipedia or whatever and get the oh climate gate was debunked okay but surely surely Derek no one in your audience is going to be that level of joke you nor me to really believe they're getting to the bottom of this look hey I'm just a guy I could be wrong. Whatever. Don't believe me. But take a look at the evidence that I've accrued over uh, almost a couple decades now of doing this work. You will see there's something there. And I I trust you'll be able to find lots of sources. And, And I've talked to many people like Judith Curry, like others along the path who have important things to say about this. So it's one of those subjects that the more you look into it, I think the more questions you will have about what you've been told all your life. And uh, it doesn't mean, of course, it doesn't mean that I'm right in my final assessment, but I think it does mean that there is something there that really, if again, if we are going to restructure human civilization around this concept, then Don't you think you owe it to your children, grandchildren, posterity, the uh, humanity itself to really understand what is being said, let alone whether or not it's right?
0: Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. You know, we've we touched on it a little bit here uh, in the conversation, but as we're focused on solutions, we didn't spend too much time on it. But to kind of bring it full circle with everything, you know, we've talked about and you're saying there, like, don't you owe it to your children, to the coming generations to question the foundation of the very narrative that they're trying to feed us, right? Because let's relate it back to COVID. The next things that we're going to see, and this is this went from being a headline here and there to now being discussed as potential governmental policy and discussed at places like the World Economic Forum, climate lockdowns, right? So this these policies that we saw under the guise of a pandemic are going to be used in different ways, you know, whether that's, your, you know, your carbon credits have been used, you're not allowed to travel this week, you're uh, your social credit scores down because you you didn't pay you didn't you know re- recycle enough this week or whatever right you can see that biosecurity state and the technocracy that we witnessed under the guise of COVID merging with the the green um, the green authoritarian tyrannical movement that, that is also rising. So it's important to question both these things. It's important to question both of them because it's the same it's the same kind of machine that we're facing, whether you're arguing with people, trying to get people to question COVID, or now maybe thinking about this climate change debate. The two are extremely related and it's the same overall, it's the same fight that we're fighting. So I encourage everybody out there, check out James's work, check out uh, you know the the links he's going to provide and do it with an open mind. It, it might take you some time to push past some of the propaganda that you've been fed. I know it has been for me. I told you, James, that I hadn't really, um, I mean, I've done research over the years, watched your stuff, et cetera, but it, I hadn't made it a focus of mine. And I honestly think And I'm sad to say this, that over the 13 years of work I've done, this is the first video I've done specifically addressing climate change. But it feels like it's a a good one to kind of summarize a lot of the information we have now. And maybe even the people who are willing to question things post-COVID will be open-minded to this as well, is is at least my hope. Any closing words, James? I think you Mm -hmm. said it right
1: there. And again, yes, this is the Activation Podcast. So this should be solutions-oriented at any rate. And I think, honestly, I think confronting our ignorance, our general widespread ignorance of this, the actual meat of this subject. We just concentrate on what's being told and we argue about that. No, look at the actual data and you will have a better understanding of this so that you can decide at the very least for yourself and your household what decisions you will make in the future based on this information and on this data and what that means on a widespread level as people hopefully, as you say, start questioning trust the science, well, you know, you have been misled by this scientific consensus idea for the past couple of years. Do you think that there may have been some of that in operation over, say, the past few decades? I I think so. And if you come to that conclusion, then you can order and structure your life accordingly.
0: Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Activation Podcast. Until next time, remember, you are powerful, you are beautiful, and you are free. You have been listening to the Activation Podcast, brought to you by the Conscious Resistance Network. You can find the archives of our show at Pinecast, Spotify, and theconsciousresistance.com. Thank you for listening.